Hey, this is Aaron Walker, founder of View From The Top. You're listening to On Face Edge with Joe Taylor. Hey, man, I got free will. God's given me free will to do what I want to do. I want to do what he has prescribed in the Bible to live a more fruitful life. Hey, thanks for the introduction, Big A. Aaron Walker is a highly successful business person, coach, and mentor. I really like this guy, and I loved talking to him. You can't be around Aaron and just not feel better about yourself and about life and about the path you're headed. If you get a chance, spend some time with Aaron Walker. You will not regret uh, hanging out with this guy. He was a guest on episode 57 at onfaithsedge.com slash 57. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 57. Go back and listen to it. Well, welcome to the 108th episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. I love hearing from interesting people who have traveled an interesting path. That's why I invited today's guest, Craig Colquitt, to tell a story. Craig is a two-time Super Bowl champion with the scars, aches, and pains to prove it. Today, you'll hear about how his path to God started with a vision as a child, why he turned from God as a teenager, how he lived his faith and failed his faith as a professional football player, and finally, what brought him to his most recent project, a children's book, Jojo, What Happened to Your Hair? And I'll be very honest with you. I'm a big Cincinnati Bengals fan here in the Cincinnati area. There are three things I hate in this world. Third is green peppers. Second is the St. Louis Cardinals, and first is Pittsburgh Steelers. Nothing against you, brother, but my gosh. And you know, the, the problem is, is you guys just find a way to win. You come from a true sports dynasty. That's <laughs> funny. That's a great start. I'm uh, 63 years old, and, and I get to live in the past uh, every day. You know, I'm, I meet Steeler lovers and Steeler haters. And it, it's like you said, uh, that when when the Immaculate Reception happened, I, I think that's 72, the wheels began to turn in Pittsburgh. And we did. When, when I was playing, we found a way to win, but it just seemed like we dominated. And when I talk to folks, they either want to talk to me or they'll talk because they hate me. They said, you know, I just hate the Steelers. I'm sorry. I said, but I get that. I said, I got tired of. I'm tired of Tom Brady. I'm glad this Super Bowl <laughs> flip, flipped on him. So, you know, I go into that. Well, the problem is, is fatigue. The problem is the the even modern day Steelers. They're you always feel like they're in it. You always feel like they're in it. That's why same thing with the St. Louis Cardinals. Well run organization, good player picks, great coaching, and uh, my gosh, the Pittsburgh Steelers just find a way to win, and I hate it. When people ask me if I'm a Steeler fan, I said, no, I've got, I got a Denver Bronco, now a Brown and used to be a chief. And, and, and Dustin's been with the chiefs has been there for 13 years and they have not beaten the chiefs. And it's always come down to a, a hail Mary from Rothenberger. Antonio Brown is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so you just see it happen. And, and, but yeah, I get that. I mean, I, I love my black and gold, but, for crying out loud, will somebody please tackle Roethlisberger? It drives me nuts, dude. 
he's a big boy and, and big boys can <laughs> slither away. Yeah. Yeah. Just shirk you, just shake you off. Yeah. Well, you're a punter, two Super Bowl rings, seven years with the, um, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. What can a professional punter teach us anything about life? If you want to learn anything from me, uh, I've been through the business world. I've been uh, a drastic, desperate sinner. And here I am now wanting to live the way I'm designed, created in God's image. So my belief is delight in the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. And that's not optimism thinking half of something goes bad. Oh, God, what'd you do? It's literally I delight in looking out the window I'm doing right now. And, and what he's given me gifts for all of us. And so I'm reinventing myself, being creative like he is, trying to understand in his image uh, to enjoy my life. So that's Hunter philosophy. How does someone go from NFL player with two Super Bowl rings with the, with the Pittsburgh Steelers to a marketing executive to an author and illustrator of Jojo, what happened to your hair? <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a lot if you think about it. But, uh, I played at the University of Tennessee and Steelers having Super Bowl rings. They're kind of like the perfect stage prop to have Super Bowl rings. And I've never met a stranger. So working in sales was a, a natural gyration for me. Uh, I did not graduate from college. Uh, I'm very limited on my education. I had to go the route of sales, uh, went through a different, a lot of job changes so I could see uh, my sons grow up. I was actually in real estate. Real estate's a tough way to make a living, but I wasn't seeing the kids grow. So I had to go back into something and met some guys that were big University of Tennessee fans and joined up with them and I used that connection and we we ended up building with other companies uh, one of the largest cleaning companies in the country and I was fortunate I was a stockholder and uh, but it was uh, I'm out of that now and I'm I'm kind of flexing my mind muscles now because my body hurts too much mm. uh, to use it so through all I've learned in those experiences now I'm wanting to do like Jojo, what happened to your hair? It's a reconnect with my family that, you know, I spend a lot of time on the road. And so now the, with the grandkids, I'm watching them and it's helping me create art. I call it, which is a children's book. It is definitely an art, the illustration, the writing and wanting to put it out there for the public uh, and meeting people like Danielle Hart, who's a, the marketing director is interesting. So I get to meet Joe Taylor and, and talk about these things, but it's, it's about my faith too. Tell us about, about your newest project, Jojo, what happened to your hair? It's a children's book. It is. And uh, my fifth grandchild, I was out at Denver. He and I were having breakfast. He's about four years old at that time. I'm going on four. And we'd eaten breakfast, we're playing with Legos, and I got up to get coffee, and out of the blue, he said, Jojo, what happened to your hair? Jojo is my grandfather's name. I'm not Papa, Granddad, all that. I didn't want to be formal. And uh, kind of took me by surprise and mentioned it to Britton, who's the hunter at that time for the Broncos. And he said, Dad, it's just a kid. And I'm going, well, he's not offending me. There's an idea there. 
So two and a half years later, uh, I'm not working, I'm being creative, I'm working on drawings and paintings, and I, I want to develop this idea of Jojo, what happened to your hair, and, and use that question and make it a, a children's book. And if you look at the book, it's it's a whimsical way of the various ways that I could have lost my hair. For example, wearing a football helmet when I took it off and put it on, took it off, it wore my hair off. And I'm telling this to the grandkids and they're all going, no, 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 Jojo, that's not what happened to your hair. And at the end of the book, I tell them it's genetics through drawings. I draw my father, his father, his father, his father, all the way back to 1790, even with her clothes. Well, so far it's been well-received, Craig. Uh, uh, the book is endorsed by Terry Bradshaw, Tony Dungy, and other prominent people. Why is this book so significant? It's the reinvention of me. I mean, I, I, I'll use the word relevant. You know, you we can age and go out to pasture, or we can age and plow the pasture and, and be a light for other folks. I spoke at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes fundraiser the other day, and I was in front of them. We talked about JoJo. We laughed about I decided to look like Terry Bradshaw and Tony Dungy. Uh, you know, <laughs> it got a laugh like you've got now. I've used it for years, but now, uh, you know, Terry's saying, sure, I'll endorse the book. Tony says that. Paul Rudd, actor, you know, Paul Rudd, the actor's got a full head of hair, but he's a died in the wool Kansas City Chief fan, Royals fan, and uh, he loves creativity. So this has been able to reinvent myself. I've always kind of drawn and doodled, but I, I want to show folks you can do this too. Don't sit on your laurels and get old and, and talk about your face. So it's, um, it's a mouthful, but it, it's been such a joy to be received like you're receiving me today. Why was it important for you to, to write this book, Craig? I failed at a marriage and I, didn't want to fail as a grandfather and a father. I mm. wanted them to be able to still see that I've uh, pulled up my bootstraps, believed what I read in the Bible and what I'm talking about, and I'm going forward. And I'm meeting lots of folks that feel guilt and rejection. And, you know, they made bad decisions too. But I said, you know, God chose Moses, David, Paul. If you look at their history, uh, man, that's some desperate activity those people had. But look at what it's done for us 2,000, 3,000 years later. And all severely flawed men. Severely flawed. I mean, you know, look at Paul. I mean, he's killing Christians. And the next thing you know, he's the leader. He's the one that built our philosophy, God-inspired way to live our lives. Yeah. So it's wonderful. David's, so an, I, a, David's I, an adulterer and a murderer. Moses didn't want to do a darn thing God asked him to do. And he, and he killed uh, killed an Egyptian, you know. So, right. yeah, yeah, bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> so he can, God can use all of us, can he? He can. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of it. And just accept what's happened and move forward. What do you what do you hope that kids particularly take away from Jojo what happened to your hair? I've got nine grandkids so that's a marketing a test market right there on this book. No doubt. 
And one of the grandkids that I really like to communicate with, he's nine years old. He didn't know I was watching him read the book and he's laughing and giggling and taking his time through that whole book. And that told me that I reached him through the colors. What could uh, whimsically happen to my hair? So it's a kind of a voice, except what you see in other people and desire to communicate with them. Because in the end, the book says love is what we're all about. So let's love one another like we want to be loved. So that's the book. It's not specifically reaching the Christian philosophy and element, but it is reaching out uh, to uh, promote family and communication. So this was your first commercial creative product. Is that right, Craig? I actually did some drawings years ago, but that was a failure. I introduced it at the University of Tennessee as an art piece commemorating history at Tennessee. I call it Tennessee time piece and the football team went zero and six. Mm. So it flopped, (laughs) (laughs) but yes, this book is, it's an investment. I'm, I'm spending money to put this out into the market. So it is really a significant uh, investment of time and money. And I want it to be impactful. Uh, and a hundred years from now, I hope somebody looks at it and goes, my great, great grandfather did this. What did you learn about yourself while writing Jojo? What happened to your hair? I have a kind of a convoluted way of wanting to desperately please people and be accepted. I want to put me out there as much as possible, sincerely as possible, to basically do unto others as you want. I want them to do unto me. Greg, how did you come to believe in Jesus Christ? I was born again when I was five years old. And um, I tell this infrequently. I saw an image in my yard when I'm playing in the sand and the, uh, I heard my name said like I've never heard it said. And um, I'm young. I'm five years old. I've been participating in Bible uh, Sunday school or what's it called? Uh, vacation Bible school and heard this voice, saw an image and the image left as soon as I saw it. And I ran inside, told mom, she called the preacher, preacher came over and heard the story and he said that's the daydreams of a child and i remember him saying that clear as a bell but i saw what i saw but mm. it literally defeated me because uh who knows where that could have taken me had he said wow this is awesome if he mm. had said the opposite so that's word to the wise there listen to the children and that's another thing about the book i listen very closely to my grandchildren because they are searching so at five born again but when i heard that i just kind of left things go uh, i had a brother killed in a car accident when i was 13 so i took the position uh there's no god this is random opportunity to live but I was brought up Christian, uh, pretty decent kid out throughout high school. But 
after high school, just fell off the train. Uh, it was nothing but parties uh, for two years, uh, 20 years of age, and I needed to do something. So I decided to walk on at the University of Tennessee and needed to get away from the alcohol and the drug problems. But I get to the university and it's worse. Mm. Uh, didn't flow well with uh, those folks, uh, got into the pros. And actually in the pros, I was a lot slower than I was in college, still had my faith, met beautiful people like Tony Dungy uh, to uh, su- support me. And then I, I met my wife and uh, we decided to build a family and raise them up the way we had been raised uh, fast forward over the years, uh, boys uh, got into the uh, football and uh, that transitioned into the pros. And then I got into business and that turned into being an entertainer with unlimited funds to entertain. And that became a problem. More mm-hmm. money you have with problems, those problems are going to be a whole lot more significant. And I'm testimony to that. Yeah, but, money, money doesn't change you. Money just makes you more of what you already are. That's ex- that's profound. Yes, and, and that's I am testimony to that. So, uh, really became uh, had a lot of problem with alcohol. I mean, that's it's uh, it's an easy tool in business to build business as an entertainer. So, and and I've um, and I'm a weak individual. My my brain goes to one to be want people to. Uh, be happy with me. I want them to like me. And that's not a good personality to live with, especially with alcohol. So alcohol is a problem. Business was good. Uh, you know, we, I did well enough. Uh, and I'm not proud to say this, but, but I'll say that I'm able to take care of their mother. So she's financially in good hands. I'm, I'm doing okay, but I'm rebuilding everything. So uh, I am the prodigal old man. Like I said, I'm back and mm. I still am a cynic. I still have my doubts because I have a physical body until I'm in heaven. I'll still think like that. And I think God wants us to be that way. I think he wants us to question to because uh, it strengthens us. Uh, it strengthens me because I go, yeah, when I'm a skeptic or a cynic and uh, I doubt, then I go, hey, man, I got free will. God's given me free will to do what I want to do. I want to do what he has prescribed in the Bible uh, to live a more fruitful life. That's what Jesus said. So there's my testimony. So you um, you said at about 13 years old, because of your brother's death, is that right? Yes. You you turned your back on faith, and for all intents and purposes, as much of a as much of a logical, reasonable decision a a thirteen year old can make, decided that there was no God, and that this is all just uh, by chance. At what point from that from that moment on? At what point did you give your life back to God and start believing again? It wasn't until I I married. I, I was, you know, kind of hit and miss, kind of like a. A, a passing magnet. I, there's the connection. I'd be drawn in, but then I'd want to go back to the flesh and live the way I wanted to. But with the wife, you know, she was, uh, we were equally yoked for a long, long time. Uh, unfortunately, 30 years and it ends. But during that time, I was finding out who I 
am in all those financial struggles that the spiritual side of me wanted to serve. And I was involved with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, with my church, with the local uh, food pantry where homeless people are everywhere. And and I was able to even teach a class to homeless folks. Mm. Boy, that's interesting. Uh, that's, a, that's a book in itself. <laughs> uh, but as business came along, it got back to what you and I just said, that um, the, the money thing reignited uh, the problems that money can generate and people have problems in the first place. And I'm that people that money could get me what I wanted. And my leaders, guys I worked with said, spend it. We want the business. Uh, so I went for it. As a Christian businessman, have you ever had a time where it was uh, you thought it was okay to set aside your principles of faith for the sake of a sale, for the sake of a deal, for the sake of efficiency? Or uh, did you ever feel like the, it was it was okay to kind of set aside your principles of faith? To drink alcohol, and I'm a teetotaler. I'm not going to give you a hard time about your personal practice. I just need to be a lot. But yeah, you know, when when now when I look back on it, the alcohol when it got in me, it was separating me from God right there. And if I am letting somebody have whatever they want at company expense, then I've compromised who I am. And there were people in my business that didn't compromise. Uh, you know, they stayed the course and, and I saw those things. But, you know, I was more um, living, living on the edge. Mm. And, yeah, uh, when I say compromise, I didn't lie, cheat or steal. But, yeah, I guess I did because I'm compromising my principles, my Christian principles. You spent seven years in the NFL. Were you a Christian during those during those years? Yes, yes. First two years, I was single. So single money, professional football, it opens a huge Pandora's box. Uh, I was so grateful for, to God when I met my wife because I'm going, this is where I want to be. And that changed everything for me. So the last five years were productive years. Um in a lot of regards, as far as my Christian faith. Are you still connected to the league now? Yes. Yes. We, uh, the league's a lot more sensitive to the physical needs of players, you know, with the concussions and sure. uh, dramatic injuries. So there's a lot of programs going on now that weren't going on uh, five years ago. So, yeah, they're even sent out something about JoJo, what happened to your hair recently. And um, I'm going to Pittsburgh uh, the end of May to be on uh, Cornerstone TV, which is in Pittsburgh. And uh, the Steelers really like that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I want to be connected. It's not easy because everybody's in different cities because uh, I chose to go back to Tennessee. But um very much connected as much as I can be or, or need to be, especially with having two sons in the NFL. What was the faith culture of the NFL back then? A lot of inspiration there. We prayed before the game. We prayed after the game. So it was a good environment in that regard. But on an individual basis, my character lacked. And that's where the money was uh, caused problems because I could do what I wanted to do. What do you regret most about those years in the NFL? 
or those years as a marketing executive when it comes to expressing your faith? Well, as a married man, I was thankful all those years. Um, Still am. Uh, I'm not not interested in that thing. But backing up, even not in high school, but in college and in early my first two years in the pros, I wish I had respected uh, women the way I should have. You know, like they're they're my mankind, my brother, too. Uh, they're hurting, they're looking as well, but uh, it was just part of the nature uh, to go to that physical exploitation. So mm. I would, I regret that, you know, I didn't have daughters growing up. I'm glad I didn't. That would have been really tough uh, to see even the way relationships are today. It's scary what I see today, especially on the internet. In relations and what I read earlier. So that's a guilt that I have individually prayed now. And that's an understanding I have. Each thing I feel that was my sin, and if that memory comes back to it, I ask God to forgive me for that when it comes back. And it's it's amazing relief because I, I am in earnest. That's That's a regret that my sisters, I didn't treat them with greater respect. Craig, finally, as we wrap up, what would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge, making that choice to believe or not to believe in God? The overwhelming thing I hear folks say, if there was a God, he wouldn't let the world be the way it is. Well, I tell them the beauty of this world is it's free will. We get to choose what we want, how we want to live. There, there is no better roadmap than the Bible on how to live. Yeah, there's a lot of scary things in there, murder and and wiping out thousands and tens of thousands of people. But the overriding uh, guidepost in the Bible is the way to go. So if you're if you're on the edge, pray, pray constantly. Philippians four, six through eight is how I live my life. Paul has told us how to live. Don't be anxious. He starts that off. We're all anxious. I talked to an elementary school the other day, and it's amazing. There's 200 kids in this one setting. It's amazing how the elementaries were really taking the fellowship of Christian athletes in. I said to them, I said, are any of you all nervous or scared? Every one of them raised their hands. So if that's free will, we live in that. And if you pray to God and ask it, you will find that eureka moment, that connection to that spirituality, which is freely given to us. So plunge in. Well, I don't think we can say anything more than that. Craig Colquitt, thank you so much for being with us today. The book is Jojo, What Happened to Your Hair? And a in a whimsical, cool message. Uh, this looks to be a good one. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it. Craig's website is craigcolquitt.com. That's C-R-A-I-G-C-O-L-Q-U-I-T-T dot com. Craig dot com. And Jojo, What Happened to Your Hair is available right now on Amazon.com. These links and his other links can be found in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 108. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 108. And if you want to interact with me, I am most active on Twitter at at 4 Taylor. That's at F-O-R-J-O-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. Or you can contact me at onfaithsedge.com slash contact. I love bringing you engaging conversations about faith. 
If this show entertains you, encourages you, informs you, or brings value to you in any way whatsoever, will you consider financially backing the show by using any Amazon link at onfaithsedge.com? We'll get a modest commission from the purchase, but it doesn't cost you a penny more. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Craig Colquitt for being with us, and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you, and so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you.